following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. My name is Colleen, for those of you who don't know me, um, and I'm going to introduce our uh, speaker for today's sermon. Um, so today's sermon is uh, coming from John chapter 10, verses 22 through 42. You can find that in the Red Bibles near you on page 873, and I encourage you to follow along with me. At that time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. The Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus replied, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these are you going to stone me? The Jews answered, it is, not good, it is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, though only a human being, are making yourself God. Jesus answered, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are God's? If those to whom the word of God came were called gods, and the scripture cannot be annulled, can you say that the one whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world is blaspheming because I said, I am God's son? If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father." Then they tried to arrest him again, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing earlier, and he remained there. Many came to him, and they were saying, John performed no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. So for last week and this week, we have returned to our journey through John, and this is something that we return to when um, there's kind of a, a pause between sermon series, and uh, we're on John 10 now. And last week, um, I spoke about the image that Jesus gives in the beginning of John 10 about the shepherd and the gate and the voice, and we focused specifically on the gate last week and how Jesus says that he is the gate that allows us to escape from the walls that we build around ourselves for protection and go into pasture where we find community. This week we're going to focus on the voice, and Wade's going to come up in a minute and give the sermon for that. Um, but uh, one thing to notice here is that it's the voice that calls us out from the pens and the walls of protection that we built around ourselves through the gate and into the pasture. And last week we spoke about how the pasture represents three things, nourishment, community, and salvation. And it's on the second thing, community, that we're going to also focus on today. 
A lot of times we look at scripture and, or we come to church and we say, okay, what does this have to tell me about my life today? And today we're going to think about what does the scripture have to tell us as a community? It may not speak to you specifically, but it might speak to somebody else in this community. And how can we support each other in that community? So I'm going to invite Wade up to speak. Um, Wade's part of the College of Preachers, as am I, and we're uh, taking over for the last two weeks um, while Pastor Scott is on vacation. So everyone welcome Wade. All right, everyone hear me? Sweet. I'm Wade. Nice to see you all this morning. Um, So like Colleen said, we've been in John 10, and we're actually in John 10 and 11, Um, both of our messages have gone through John 10 and 11, taken different things, focused on different images, and interpreted them with different implications. Um, And that's just really the beautiful richness of Scripture. Two different people can approach the same two chapters two different ways, and we can take so many different uh, applications to our lives. Uh, Last week I talked about how this, uh, at John 10 and 11, uh, we're at a point of great uh, nationalistic, political, and spiritual tension. Right? They're celebrating uh, a time when they expected a political deliverer who would also be a spiritual deliverer. Okay? And they embodied this in this, vi- this vision of uh, the shepherd who was the ruler who was going to deliver them. And then Jesus in this time has been teaching uh, since the previous festival, the Festival of Booths. He's been in Jerusalem teaching the whole time. And we've got this great tension building in the story too. So you've got this tension building in history. You've also got this tension building within the story itself where... Jesus is teaching, he's doing miracles, and they're being accepted, they're being rejected, they're being disputed, people are believing, people are being healed, and there's just all this tension. It's, what's going to happen next? Really, I think if you were reading this for the first time, like first, you know, first, second century, you would be like very, this would be the page turner. You're at the page turner part, like what, what's going to happen? Because this is just getting like more and more tense. Um, And so that's when, in an attempt to break the tension, the people come to Jesus with a very understandable question. They say, tell us plainly, are you the Christ or not? It's in verse 22. After months of teaching and miracles, they're still unclear on that question. There's still a dispute. And Jesus' answer points them back to the previous teaching, and that teaching was about the shepherd and about how he's that shepherd. He's just a very different kind of shepherd than they've been looking for. And last week we talked about what that means for the individual and how we need to get outside of our own walls and those things that tend to entomb us in our own mess. This week we're going to talk about what does that mean for our community. This specific image we're going to talk about that's going to lead us into this discussion is the shepherd's voice. Because Jesus says, if you, I told you, but you don't hear me because you're not my sheep. You don't hear. No. You want to have a good lunchtime conversation? Do they not hear because they're not sheep or are they not sheep because they don't hear? I'm not even going to address it. I'll lob that one up there. Have fun. Um, but the shepherd's voice is one of the two images that Jesus uses to clarify what kind of shepherd he is. And he makes some really specific statements. And we're going to go through these kind of quickly um, because I think that the, the bulk of our conversation needs to happen elsewhere. But here's some statements about the shepherd's voice. In, verses, in verse 4, the shepherd's voice leads uh, the sheep out of the pen. And that's exactly what Colleen was talking about last week, if you were here last week. But in verse 9, the shepherd's voice leads them in and out. Now, we know that out is sustenance, it's community, and it's ultimately salvation. But in, why do you need to go back into the pen? For rest. 
Because it's not just about being active, right? Jesus isn't just a shepherd who expects you to be out in pasture all day, running around and always interacting and always living at one speed. There are times when you need to have rest. And, you know, I hope Scott listens to this podcast because we affirm that he needs rest, right? We're doing that right now. But ultimately, these two verses, we see the the voice of the shepherd meets daily needs. It's into rest, it's out to sustenance, out to community, and ultimately salvation. But it meets daily needs. In verses 3 and 4, the shepherd's voice is known to the sheep. And in verse 27, it's how the shepherd knows the sheep. So it's familiar. It's comforting. It meets daily needs and it's familiar and comforting. In verse 16, by the way, you're all supposed to be following along and reading these verses. <laughs> I'm really trying to get through this because uh, I really think we need to meditate on other things. Um, the shepherd's voice makes the sheep into one flock, and that's where that creation of community happens. The shepherd's voice, the voice of the shepherd, is the commonplace, everyday guidance from Jesus. And where is Jesus guiding us? These verses I'm actually going to read. Where is Jesus guiding us? My sheep hear my voice, this is verse 27 and 28. My sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. The voice of the shepherd is leading us into eternal life. Now, there's a tough phrase because I think we think of that as meaning like really long life. And I think that's one probably of the connotations in there. But uh, got to tuck it, tuck it. Yes. Uh, (laughs) um, I think eternal life has that connotation of a really long life. But uh, if you were to translate this phrase literally, it would say life of the ages. And that's a really Hebrew way of talking. And it's a really Hebrew way of saying a life that's marked with the timeless life of God. And a life that marks others with the timeless life of God, the kind of existence that God has and desires for creation. That's what eternal life means. It's not just a quantity of life. It's a quality of life. That's where the shepherd's voice leads us. Now, we're going to be talking in the next few months as a church community about the values that guide our life as a community. It's going to be, I think we're calling it our next 10 years. That's what we're talking about. We just finished our first 10 years. We're moving into what do our next 10 years look like? And we're going to be talking about these values. These values, I propose, are the voice of the shepherd. Some of these values are the voice of the shepherd to our community. They're the commonplace, everyday guidance available to us as a church family. By the way, can anyone name all five values? I I know someone can do this. Okay, I heard all beauty roots. Justice community. Awesome. We did it. We did it. Go in peace. No, that's... But three of these values really strike me as like, these are the voice of the shepherd. These are the commonplace every day. These are the things that are available to everyone. And those three are beauty, roots, and community. And the way we define beauty and the way that beauty is the voice of the shepherd that guides us into the quality of life that our community is meant to have and meant to sustain we define it like this. We are inspired. This is actually on our website. This is, you know, all, I think there are a couple places back there where you can find these definitions. We are inspired by the breathtaking artistry of our creator 
and seek to reflect that beauty in all we do as we co-create with him. We are inspired by the breathtaking artistry of our creator and seek to reflect that beauty in all that we do as we co-create with him. Okay, do you know what that reminds me of? (laughs) You guys remember that scene in Two Towers? Okay, total Tolkien nerd stand up here. Where Sam goes, there's some good in the world, Mr. Frodo, and it is worth fighting for. Beauty is that thing that reminds us what a good world we've been given. There is some good in the world, artisan church, and it is worth fighting for. I am certain that if we were to poll, whether silently or, or out loud, everyone in this room, we would find out there are so many, whether it be natural landscapes, poems, songs, films, paintings, photos, sculptures, etc., that have reminded us at different times of how good the world is that we've been given. That's what beauty does. It's that reminder. So guys, let's stir that pot. Feel free to share. Maybe not right now. But I imagine not everyone at every time and in every place is feeling that beauty is stirred, is inspired. But I'm sure someone is. And that can be a life-giving word to this community. So that's beauty. We also want to talk about our roots. This is an everyday, commonplace way that we can all experience the voice of the shepherd. We are deeply rooted in the historic Christian faith as revealed in Scripture and worked out in the life of God's people through the ages. We are deeply rooted in the historic Christian faith as revealed in Scripture and worked out in the life of God's people through the ages. And when we think about being rooted in Scripture, one thing that comes to my mind, is there anything I can do to make it stop doing that? (laughs) Anyone know? Just just tuck it. (laughs) Power through. Got it. When we think about being deeply rooted in Scripture, one thing that comes to my mind is how available the Bible is and how often, like, maybe we're like, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time, or I don't have a Bible, or I can't this or that. Like, okay, if you, first of all, if you don't have a Bible, grab a red one, walk out the door with it. Uh, No one will say anything. They won't even raise an eyebrow. If they do, uh, you're welcome to invite them to unclench. And, uh, but beyond that, beyond just like these, you know, these red books, go online. How many Bibles are available online? If you have access to a smartphone or a computer throughout your day, you have access to the Bible. You have access to the, like, to the book that for hundreds, you know, over a thousand years was like for one class of people only. You have access to it. We all do. Being deeply rooted means taking advantage of that fact. And there are so many ways to engage with Scripture. Honestly, me standing up here talking about them is just like one little tiny way. We do a lot of other practices, meditations, different prayers, confessions, ways that we interact with our roots here at Artisan, but there are still even way more. Uh, One, one certain way to interact with Scripture would be to join a small group. Uh, coming the end of this month, beginning of next month, we're going to be making a big push and starting new small groups. And there, you can engage with Scripture and other people who are also engaging with Scripture. And that's really one of the best ways to hear other people and the journeys they're on. That's my little plug for small groups. I'll I'll try not to add too many of those in here. There might be one more. And the third commonplace everyday Uh, accessible voice of the shepherd that we all experience is community. 
That's interesting because we're interpreting this as a community and now we're talking about being a community and so it's a little bit circular here. But let's start with the definition uh, that Artisan puts out there. This is our value. It guides our journey. We are a covenantal family of authentic relationships and reconciliation in the image of God who exists in perfect communion as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yet one God. Just take any one phrase out of there. Covenantal family, what does that mean? Well, that's about membership. Is that someone in here? That might be your next step into community at Artisan, would be membership. I don't know where you're at. That might be it. Authentic relationships. You know what I love about this is that it's so open-ended. For some of us, authentic relationships happen when we sit down with a cup of coffee or a pint or just good food, and we just have a conversation. And for others of us, authentic relationships happen more actively. Go out and play around to disc golf, Uh, real golf, (laughs) you know, softball, kickball, whatever it is, you know, different hobbies, even just hiking, going out and hiking. Those authentic relationships can happen in any number of ways and how many of those ways are really present in our community. And I wonder if you don't have something special to offer in terms of an authentic relationship, someone you might connect with who otherwise wouldn't have connected because they didn't realize, oh, we can do that at church. We can do that with our church family. Reconciliation. There's a big word. Maybe that's where our community is going. Maybe there's people in this room that need reconciliation. I, like I said, I don't have all the answers, but this value offers us so many ways where we might hear the shepherd guiding us into that eternal quality of life. Covenantal family, authentic relationships, reconciliation. And it's patterned on God's community, so we never really arrive. Because God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit existing in perfect community from eternity, that's a pretty lofty goal, right? So don't think you're ever going to get there. But we'll be on the journey together and we will grow together. It's possible to continue growing and never stop. This doesn't mean we're not going to hit any bumps in the road, right? Community is messy. It's difficult. There's going to be conflict. Maybe some of us have been in those communities where there was conflict, and so we're a little reticent to join, to really like go, you know, full on into artisan community. I was there for a while. I was there for a while. Sympathize with that. But there's a time when you need to be safe and protected and built up, and then there's a time to grow. And I don't know which one you're at, but let's not forget that there are two different two different phases to that. So those are the common, everyday, voice of the shepherd, accessible, available ways that we as a community can be led into an eternal quality of life, a quality of life that is just marked by the timeless life of God and that marks our world with that timeless life. But as the passage goes on, something really interesting happens because it's all about, almost all about, with one very small exception, all about people not hearing Jesus' voice, not hearing the voice of the shepherd. It's negative example after negative example. The people who ask the question don't hear Jesus' voice, they try to kill him. That's how much they didn't hear it. The 12 do not hear Jesus' voice. Opening of chapter 11, Jesus is saying, we're going back to Judea. Oh, we can't go back there. They just tried to kill you. Jesus tries to teach them. He says, if you walk, you know, there are 12 hours a day. If you walk during the day, you won't stumble. He's saying, I'm the light. Follow me and you'll be fine. And they still argue with him. He says, Lazarus has fallen asleep. They're like, if he's asleep, he'll be fine. 
Okay, finally, let me clarify that Lazarus is dead. And they come back with, oh, fine, let's all go die. Do you think they were really hearing the voice of the shepherd? Totally lost. Last week, Colleen did a great job showing us how Martha doesn't really hear the voice of the shepherd. Jesus tries to give her a teachable moment, and Martha, she steals herself up, and she doesn't let Jesus in. She shows no vulnerability. Yes, this is what's good, and I will do that. I will believe, and everything's fine, and everything's going to be okay. And then we have Mary, the one exception, who lets herself hurt in front of Jesus and lets Jesus in to her pain, and Jesus weeps with her, and they connect even in the midst of this horrible tragedy. But sometimes the everyday commonplace guidance just isn't getting through. Sometimes it's not going to get through. Sometimes the world is too busy for beauty or community. Sometimes our roots are too far away from our everyday experience. What, what exactly? I don't, I don't understand how the story of the Reformation impacts the fact that I have to go to a job, you know, eight, ten hours a day to feed my family. It can be difficult. It's very difficult. So sometimes that everyday voice just doesn't get through. And so I think we have in this passage an example of another kind of voice. And that comes towards the end of chapter 11. And once Jesus gets to Lazarus' tomb, he exhibits another kind of voice. And the text, not coincidentally, uses the words, in a great voice. There's this dramatic contrast. There's all these... Uh, disputes and discourses, and then there's this three-word exclamation, Lazarus, come out. There's this literary thing going on there where it's like all these words were wasted on all these people, but in three words, one of the greatest miracles we have recorded in the New Testament occurs. But notice, here's a connection we need to make. Jesus uses Lazarus's name, Lazarus, come out. And in 10.3, the shepherd calls his sheep by name. So there's a different form, but it's the same thing. It's still meant to guide us into eternal life. I'd like to thank Colleen for that connection. I never noticed that before until Colleen said that uh, during one of our College of Preachers meetings, and I was like, oh, yes, that's a great connection. So this is the same kind of thing, guidance into eternal life for our whole community, but it's a different form. This is the great voice. We've gone from the voice of the shepherd to the great voice. The big, booming, the times when the voice is surprising, jarring. It's like a bolt out of heaven. It's spectacular. It alters our perception and completely changes our sense of what's possible. I'm going to pause here. We haven't all had this experience, and that's fine. Maybe you've never had that kind of experience. That's fine. But it's available. It's out there. It happens. It happens in this passage, and so we're going to talk about it. It comes from beyond our normal day-in, day-out experience. It changes that experience. And at Artisan, I think we have two values that guide our journey as a community that represent this great voice or potentially represent this great voice for us. And the first is awe. Awe, being awestruck. Have you ever noticed that phrase? You don't like gently slide into awe. You're struck. (laughs) Awestruck. Here's how we define awe. We humbly recognize the sovereign power, reverent mystery, and gracious wonder of God who is worthy of our worship and full devotion. The sovereign power, reverent mystery, and gracious wonder of God. Awe is that thing that takes us 
as we are usually the focus of our lives and shrinks us down to our proper size and makes us realize we're actually part of something much bigger. Do you want to know where awe comes from for me? So I kind of like, I was talking to the art nerds earlier, science nerds, here you go. Do you understand the conditions that even make life on this planet possible? Do you understand how unlikely it is that we would all be sitting here right now? The odds of it are a little crazy. I don't have the numbers, but let's just look at some of the factors. The size of our star. Big ones die too quick. They can't support life. Also, if they're too big, your planet can't spin. One side gets really hot. The other side stays freezing cold. In terms of like where we're sitting, where our planet sits in our solar system, there's a habitable zone where water can turn to liquid and won't just fry into vapor or freeze into ice. There's a habitable zone in our galaxy where our star is at the right place in our galaxy so that it's not too close to the center where like the supermassive black hole would rip it apart. Think about that for a second. (laughs) And where supernovas that are happening would just send radiation that would utterly obliterate a planet our size. Uh, There's the presence of larger planets in our solar system. Do you know Jupiter's like an asteroid shield for us? Go Jupiter. Have you ever thought of that? These are all the things that have nothing to do with you that make your life even possible. Just to make your life possible. We could go on. There's plate tectonics to recycle the carbon on the surface so we don't get a crazy greenhouse effect. The core produces a magnetic field that keeps radiation from our sun from literally just obliterating everything on the surface of the planet. There's different atmospheric conditions that make our life possible. Could, like, I, couldn't, I was reading that. I couldn't even understand it. So I didn't buy. There are atmospheric conditions. But it's so mind-boggling. We're such this tiny, little, unlikely thing. And yet here we are, and here we are every day and day after day, and we get to experience rich lives as ourselves and rich lives in community, in family, even in our vocations, our jobs. It's so unlikely, but it happens. There's kind of another side to awe, isn't there? Don't the words reverent mystery kind of kind of have two sides to them? Isn't the reverent mystery sometimes how have we made it this far? Here's what I'm talking about. I was listening to a podcast called Microphone Check, and they were interviewing uh, a recording artist named Vince Staples. Uh, Vince Staples, his music struggles with big picture social issues from a place of deep personal pain, and striving. And at age 13, he was being accused and taken to court for four felonies over a stolen cell phone that every witness, including the victim, said he didn't take and had nothing to do with. And they got to court and the judge said, there's not even nearly enough evidence here and throughout the case. Now consider that we live in a world where someone who has put his struggles in music and can give a voice to something otherwise we might never hear, could have been locked up for years and for so long that we would have missed all of that. How is that world possible? How have we gone on this long in that world? I'm going to throw some names out. These names are not a slogan. These names are not... I'm not piggybacking on these issues. These names literally make me wonder, how have we made it this far? And these names are Freddie Gray, Walter Scott... Tamir Rice, Michael Brown, Eric Gardner, and Trayvon Martin. 
How have we even made it this far? Our lives are unlikely and we are destroying them rampantly. Some others are destroying them. I certainly hope we're not destroying them. No one in this room. Sometimes the reverent mystery is just the three, word, three letters that we have. Why? How? Sometimes that's all there is to awe. That's the best we can muster. And when we're in that place, when that voice lands like a thunderbolt, when that great voice is calling out to us, we have another value that guides our journey, and that value is justice. And that value we explain like this. We are captivated by the heart of God for hurting people and a suffering creation, seeking to bring compassion to those needs and a just end to their underlying causes. Just try enacting justice in the world and not being changed, not hearing a great voice. Even if that great voice is in the form of an anguished cry for you to make the tiny contribution that you can make. Yes, we're small, but we're here, and it's what we have. Awe and justice tend to land simultaneously. A little bit like a right jab and a left cross. A little bit like a great voice. So I want to tell you a story about a time in my life when awe and justice were made very real to me. I was involved in a church in Chicago uh, where we put together this... um, this event called the Community Care Clinic. It was about 70 to 80 volunteers, about two dozen of whom were like kids, like 10 and under, like awesome. 70 to 80 volunteers. We did housing, uh, we, we met housing needs, we uh, did uh, medical needs, hygienic needs, we supplied school supplies, food, clothing, legal counsel, all these different needs. People could come and have them met on this one day, like lawyers, doctors, dentists, um, uh, hairdressers, Uh, all kinds of different people donated their time. Massage therapists donated their time and people could come and get all these different services that they needed. They could get counsel they needed. And I was in charge of the group mealtime. And during the group mealtime, what I was specifically supposed to, kind of like my main area of focus was me and 25 kids, about 25 kids, bussing tables and resetting them. Running out, grabbing stuff people have left on the tables and putting the, uh, putting the silverware back out. And like, of course, oh, come on, guys. Of course, this turned into like a game and a competition. Like, who can carry the most plates? Okay, who can clean up all those plates <laughs> that we just tried to carry? Okay, who can get, you know, who can carry like the most silverware out to a table, right? And it was in the middle of this overwhelming crush because it was just hundreds of people, like for hours. And there was so much food. And so many things to clean up. And we were just turning it over the whole time. Just turn over, turn over, turn over, turn over. Because we couldn't stop people from coming. It was in the middle of this overwhelming crush. Like a bolt out of heaven. My life shrunk. My ego shrunk. My problem shrunk. And I realized what a small part I had to play in the struggles that were all around me. But that part was mine. And I wanted nothing more than to be connected to that swirling, terrifying movement of justice. Sometimes you need a louder voice, a a great voice to remind you. 
I think awe and justice are the ways that Artisan has seized on that great voice. As we move into a time of communion, consider your place in this community. Communion can be a time of reflection because we all take from the one loaf. We all take from the one body. Jesus instituted communion and he said, this is my body, the one body broken for everyone. This is my blood which is poured out in a new covenant for everyone, for all of us, together, as a community, to celebrate and proclaim the life, teachings, death, and resurrection of the Good Shepherd. Here at Artisan, the table's open to anyone who seeks to follow that voice. You don't have to be a member of this church or any other church. You just have to be seeking to follow Jesus with your life. If there are things you need to confess or you need prayer for, you're just wondering, what is the shepherd trying to tell me? Uh, and you, we want prayer for those things. A member of the prayer team will be up here. You can come get prayer, or you can fill them out in a prayer card if you're not willing to, uh, to come up here and talk about them. But let's take this moment and reflect on these five values and listen as the band comes back up, not just to the song, but to the voice of the Good Shepherd. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.